Kill him with corn. Kill him. Do Kill him with cornness. And do something with a cob. You should be, uh, <laughs> be careful with it. <laughs> what? Careful. You're looking a little corny. <laughs> Moving into the next one. That's a weird uh, transition. Once again, what's up, your resident metal nerds, Matt, Bill, and Adam. We're covering another album dive today, the first Corn album, which I think was a transformer of the movement of metal through the '90s. Definitely, totally different energy going on with Corn, man. Yeah, it was definitely strange. Dark. A little strange when it dark, first came dark. out. Oh yeah, it was very, very dark. Well, it was bringing in elements that uh, you don't normally think with the uh, with metal you know so well, it almost took it to more like an intimate place because you had you know with thrash and stuff you had warfare and you know plague and all the typical shit like that but then with corn you started getting into more like the like the album art you know a little girl with the big lobster monster hand man sitting there in the playground it's a monstrosity that or steo <laughs> throwing horns or gene simmons from kiss his legal name but yeah, they were in like a creepy, they were covering some creepy, darker, weirder subject matter. Yeah, when I first heard it, I didn't, um, it was weird for sure. Like, I liked the heavy and the groove to it, but I thought it was weird that it was badass for a few measures and then quiet. Yeah, that kind of took Badass me, uh, and yeah. then quiet. But the dynamic is part of what corn is. That's why it took some time to get used to it. Because yeah. when you figured out how they did it, like even... Like in that part unpredictable where it's like, you know, just this really gritty kind of screamy part. And there's like this little clean thing like right at the end of it. And it's just like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, well, it just made it though. But I mean, when, when they did hit, it made it that much more powerful. Absolutely. You know? yeah. You're just like, wow. But yeah, so much of their sound came down to production and the way they played because like the bass, that nobody had that bass t- tone. I no. still don't understand that bass sound. <laughs> I like <laughs> it, but I don't, I don't know how he did it. Well, it was weirdly know. clicky, but it was also like it had a, a full, full bottom end, to full it. sound. But then the guitars were doing like all these weird dissonant things that were kind of just odd, and there was like kind of little hip hop elements sort of mixed in musically. And yeah, that definitely like a buffet of music, if you will. It's but, so groovy and heavy and deep and dark. They definitely had the groove factor. Yeah, I read how they uh, darkness. Read a little interview with Monkey guitar player and that is named Schaefer yeah but uh Brian I guess he was a big Steve Vai fan and like the whole seven string idea and then he started thinking to himself that nobody was really u- utilizing that bottom end that extra lower string you know right they were all going for guitar hero so he was like he basically went to the guitar store put one on layaway and when he got got it you know started developing that fat bottom end sound that corn has and then yeah. the bass player went and got a five string so he could match them and that's oh, yeah. that's kind of how the so steve i is inadvertently responsible for corn well, how, guys, how, how weird is that and totally not even <laughs> not, not totally even the same ballpark <laughs> it'd be like it'd be like what the hell i mean what 
No. I can't wrap my head around it. What does it mean? It's kind of nerdy shit I like finding out. Yes. <laughs> it's always fun finding out the nerdy shit. I kind of wonder why they got the backwards R. It does kind of give it like a weird, creepy... We're disturbed and we all live in this abandoned house. Uh, supposedly it was influenced by Toys R Us. Really? Uh, yep. Interesting. See, under the guise of corn, that almost makes it seem even creepier <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> Just, I mean... I mean, this album, there's a there's a, so much dark shit going on. If you read the lyrics to this album, and of course, you know, the ending is, that's a whole story unto itself, but there was some dark subject matter here that hadn't been really talked about in metal before. And of course, the beautiful thing about metal is that's the place to get all the dark shit out. Well, I mean, we were listening. Exercise it from your souls. We grew up listening to Dio singing about demons and wizards and... Then thrash kind of got a little more political, you know, the whole nuclear war and greenhouse effect and yada yada yada. And then here comes Corn singing about that stuff. You know, right. just like, whoa, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's different. No hookers and blow for these guys. It's like, what else is going on? <laughs> and we're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna talk about the kind of stuff that actually like, disturbs people. No, we're not disturbed. That's another band. Sorry, don't get us confused. They're all part of the new metal genre. Yeah, this album, I guess, is their classic lineup. I think everybody's still in the band except the drummer. He's he's gone. They got a new guy, but had Jonathan Davis vocals and bagpipes. Bagpipes always crack me up. I don't know why, because it was just so un- untraditional. Yeah, I hadn't really heard bagpipes in his song since uh, a <laughs> long way to the top. You yeah, DC DC. <laughs> 30 years before. 20. And James Monkey Schaefer on guitar, Reginald Fieldy, uh, yeah, whatever his last name is on bass, Arvizu. If, if he's still in the band, then he must have like gone through like a makeover because he looks totally different. I uh, got Brian Head Welch, who he left for a while, went to find Jesus, and then he came back. Did, did he find him? I guess. I need to call that guy. And uh, David Silvera, Silveria on drums. But, uh, yeah, Head left for a few years, got sobered up. I think he even released a uh, Christian-oriented metal album. Huh. I, listened, well, he to went, a, I listened to a track off of it, and I know this is going to be shocking, but it sounded like corn. <laughs> <laughs> a Christian corn with a C. He got in trouble with the Christians. I guess the video had to do with heroin addiction or something like that. Uh, and it, you know, So the video was kind of portraying all that, and uh, all the Christians got an uproar and... So he was making them mad. You can't make the Christians mad. No. That's against the rules. Who tells where this uh, devil lives with a lot of fire and stuff? No, for heroin addicts, it's a totally different kind of place. Those guys are all badass for sure, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah, there was was no album that sounded anything like that first Corn album. No. Nothing. I mean, even even now, when, when Corn's playing, you know it's Corn. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. They definitely... Uh, it's nobody else. They definitely carved their uh, Sonic Yeesh. trademark. Yes, they did. Sonic yeah. trademark. I, I, like I watched those guys when they were first starting out. It was, uh, it was a treat watching the, watch, watch them play. The bagpipe solo was amazing. It, it actually inspired me in my pasta business. I don't know if you guys knew that. but uh, Bagpipes inspired a pasta business. Yeah, I know it sounds okay. weird, Scottish-Italian, but I, it, it's part of my heritage. German, so. Scottish-Italian. Yeah, I, I said German to it. It's like a stir-fry. I know that's Asian, but anyway, <laughs> back, back, back to you guys. Sorry. You're all I, over the map, man. I get carried away. I, 
you know, it, it, it happens. It's you just let it happen, don't you? It, it, it's organic that way. I know you use that word a lot, Adam, but it just, sometimes it just comes out. And I, okay, I've said too much. Excellent. Well, you'll have to cook dinner for us one night. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, this album was produced by Ross Robinson. He's done a lot of shit. I think he did the, the done, last Sepultura album. He's he's done so much crap. He This kind of put him on the map, really. He gets, I think he usually gets name checked, because I think he's been involved with a shitload of different stuff. I know you've got yeah. some listed there. Yeah, well, he actually started out as a guitar player in some uh, thrash metal bands called Detente and Murder Car. Murder Car sounds awesome, actually. Uh, <laughs> it's like but, it's uh, like Kit with like a psycho streak. It's like, oh, <laughs> evil Kit. Hello, Michael. I'm going to kill you today. <laughs> We're going off a cliff. I don't care if I die. Murder car. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Fear Factory. I remember. I remember his name being involved with Fear Factory. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Fear Factory was kind of his first deal, and then that kind of landed him God, this gig. New metal. But yeah, he worked with uh, Machine Head. Uh, kind of got a start working for Blackie Lawless mm. in his studio. Oh, wow, Wasp. Uh, That's a right. cool, uh, cool link. Yeah, he's worked with Fear Factory, Wasp, Deftones, Sepultura, Limp Biscuit, Soulfly, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby, Stop uh, it. Machine Head, Snot. For uh, people that remember Snot. One album wonder that will be a later dive. Yeah, uh, the Cure, Red Fang, and for my kid because I've taken her to see this guy Frank Iero. He used to be in uh, My Chemical Romance. But anywho, yeah, he's he's been around, done a lot, a lot, lot, lot. I think he's kind of almost sort of become like I don't want to say like the Terry Date maybe for new metal, but I mean it seems like in terms of what he's been involved with and stuff. Cause yeah, Terry Day was involved with a lot of shit back in like the eighties and stuff oh, yeah. and even beyond. But Ross Robinson seems to be that guy. Now he's sort of carved out a niche and like thrash bands want him. Like we, there's a home video with Sepultura's last album and they're recording like in oh, his yeah. place. I remember watching it. Yeah. Cool as shit, man. It's like, they're just recording, jamming at his house, you know? And it's like one thing like Dave Lombardo's there. They're like having a drum off and stuff. Oh, and yeah. Drummer. It's totally cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think I read he uh, when he gets a band in the studio, he, he gets everything set up, and then he'll like go in the studio and just do whatever he can to like agitate him to try to get like agitate him to play. Or yeah, to just him, like just get him kind of like oh, aggravated, to get him Yeah, to to make him. <laughs> That's like, actually genius. <laughs> yeah, well, think about it because there's been times I've been so pissed off that I've come up with stuff that I'm sure even Tony Elmi would be like, "Oh, easy, lad." Calm down just a little bit. It's too crazy. So I could see how that would be effective. So I guess that's his style. Mm. Get him get him agitated and let him perform. There you go. Don't make me get in my motor car and come after you. <laughs> Ross Robinson. I work with Rob Dukes. We'll come kick your ass. Uh, the engineer on this album, a guy named Richard Kaplan, he actually owned the studio Indigo Ranch. That name um, sounds familiar. He basically started his career running light, laser light shows for bands like Moody Blues and different stuff like that. And then somebody got him into recording. But him and another guy basically built this whole studio up out of some old farmhouse. Oh, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, he's done Neil Young, Corn, the Moody Blues. He's also worked with Wasp, Soulfly. Don't, don't you think more, on some level Morris that, Day. that to be involved with all those different kind of projects that 
Because a lot of those are some very different types of music, radically different types of music. I think it'd be pretty cool. But I think think to be involved with it, because I don't think you can get involved with the band if you don't like what they're doing. Like, if you think they sound like shit and they're posers and this sucks, obviously you don't want to be involved with a band like that. You're not going to produce them. But it's like if they take a liking to you and it's like you have that very background, like the Moody Blues and other shit like that, and that's, I'd say that makes a statement. Yeah. If you're likable enough beyond what someone would normally it's like. It's a challenge too, right? Yeah, because you never know what someone's going to like. Mm-hmm. Someone. And I like it. Yeah, the guy that engineered, uh, engineered and mixed, a guy named Chuck Johnson, he's done a lot of cool stuff. A lot of the aforementioned bands, Corn, Slipknot, also uh, Between the Barrett and Me. Oh, yes. for you, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, AFI, Wasp, More Vanilla Ice, even people like Savoy Brown and Blind Melon. Savoy Brown's a country guy, ain't he? And uh, even some bluegrass here, Lester Flat. Lester Flat. Some Agent Steel. I remember that name from way back in the day. So I was like, what's the deal with Agent Steel? I guess I had a cool sounding metal name for the 80s. And of course, well, when of look course. back on it now, it's like, that's so dumb. Did they have like a, a <laughs> it's like, did they also have an album and a song and like a guitar solo called Agent Steel? I mean, was that? Yeah, they could have had a, uh, I could've... realize Black Sabbath has those three things too, but as Black Sabbath is different. But Agent Steel or Exciter, I don't know. Mr. Pig, I, I don't know. Could have done a song called Remington Steel. I don't know. That could be cool. Cover. Uh, was mastered by a guy named uh, Eddie Schreyer. Uh, done so much crap. Offspring, Cannibal Corpse, Bob Dylan, Stanley Clark. Wow, jazz yeah. connection. Queen's Rike, Boys to Men, Blues to, Traveler. To be clear, that was not when I was in the band. That was with Q2K. Uh, that was my other Queen's Rike band. Sorry, Queen's yeah. Wrong, Bill's yeah. Right. Atlanta guy here, uh, Seven Dust. Air Supply, <laughs> from from Air Supply to Goat Whore. So, you know, <laughs> go figure that out. I'd like to hear Air Supply covering Goat Whore. That's what I want to hear. That would be unbelievable. Oh yeah, man! This guy did a uh, Caius. Yeah. For those of you who don't That's know, Caius is connected to the Queens of the Stone Age. Are they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the main guy from Caius basically started Queens. Uh, okay, Josh Homme, yeah. But it's, it's those guys it's are a, badass. It's a more metal vibe with kind of almost some doom elements. And yeah, stuff it's kind of it's... more sludgy, stoner. Huh. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do a we might have to do a, a Caius show because that would be excellent. There's yeah. a lot of stuff. I need to listen to that. Yeah, we, we need great. to have like a pre-show party to go through the catalogs. I think you would enjoy it quite a bit. Yes. You know, I wonder how they assemble these production teams or if it's just a matter of who you know. Like, if you just like, you know, yeah, I worked with this last guy that's last album. He's a really cool dude. Let's bring him in. Or if the label dictates, like, you know, who does it. And that sounds- I think it probably works both ways from different things I've read. I mean, I think if a label's trying to do something specific with an artist, they'll, I think they might have a producer in mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this guy's going to put this kind of product out. Well, especially if it's a new artist, because at that point, Corn was, I mean, this was her debut album, so I guess they wanted to make sure it was, you know, if this is new, then it needs to be as good as it can be, yeah. so we're not releasing, you know, a turn, we want it to be awesome, so. 
it just seems interesting how they how they pick these people because some of them they don't seem like they would be affiliated at all. Yeah, now that's what I think is interesting about finding all this kind of stuff out because you know, like some of the, like this guy's worked with Bob Dylan and Air Supply. I mean, yeah, how did he get into working with Corn? You know, yeah, what I mean? that's it's a like, radical shift. Go I think when they were <laughs> when they were starting out too, they were playing with all they were opening up for all kinds of different genres. Yeah, yeah, because they didn't really they didn't really fit. Right. Per se. Right. <laughs> I wonder if Corn ever opened for air supply. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, or Goat Horn. Uh, maybe in the 70s. In the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> what, when they were children? <laughs> if that. <laughs> Welcome the 12 year olds to the stage. Corn. We're Goat Horn. Okay. Yeah, that's going to fly well. Uh, the one thing I found interesting the guys that did the, uh, the art work art direction for it. they worked with uh more people like cypress hill 311 sugar ray remember sugar ray i remember sugar ray yeah. i don't really remember sugar ray i remember the singer dude was it mark something yeah he went on to host entertainment tonight or some crap <laughs> yeah, like, that like how the hell did that, that happen weird. i'm like what hey, the man, fuck, man? their first <laughs> mark McGrath. yeah That's mark McGrath, yeah he made it i like their first time kicked ass brownies and lemonade or something like that then the second one kicked ass, and then like the third one just went like radio. Is I'm not familiar. I guess they were they making their, they, they were making money, so whatever. I guess yeah. you know. It's hard. To, it's hard to be angsty when you're making money. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have creative, healthy angsty when you're making money. Metallica. Yeah, I think we all know what we're talking about. <laughs> Let us get into the tracks because yeah. this album anyway, is uh, not your run of the mill. Yeah, we got uh, 12 tracks here. Well, 11 tracks. Well, 12. All right, I'll make up my mind. 12, and that, this is like one of the first albums that I ever, I think I ever had that had like the, when, this is when the whole hidden track craze kind of started, you know, yeah. at the end of the song. And I was like cleaning the house or something, listening to this album. And I guess I'd never just let it play. So I was cleaning. And next thing I know, I hear people talking. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> And I realized it was, you know, the CD. Right. People arguing about car parts. No, Jerry, it's not the fucking carburetor. God damn it. <laughs> I, I read up on that. Evidently, Ross Robinson, I don't know, he found a tape in a, a garage somewhere that had that recording on it. It yeah. wasn't done for the album. Yeah. Cool. It was just a random cassette tape. That's so, that's so crazy that he just fucking put that on there. Just yeah, like we'll just put this goof. on the end of the album. Because I think when we first heard it, we were like, what in the fuck is going on? How does this... Because the end of Daddy, which we'll get to in a minute, but the end of that kind of makes you wonder, okay, how do they work back? You know, is this like his dad talking to his mom? Or like, I guess it maybe lent something to the song, but it was so random. It was like, what what the fuck are they talking about? It was totally random. It had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, it's like um, Dark Side of the Moon, where they just were uh, um, interviewing folks. You know, and then it just ends up being on the album, just like like random shit. I don't know. Right. I was really drunk at the time. <laughs> yeah. you know, just random shit. Yeah, right. I'm not afraid to die. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's go back to the tracks. They're so blind. Hmm? Are you ready? Yeah. Well, they sold a lot of albums with this. Went double platinum by '99. So, well, so wow. within five years, that's not bad. Went platinum in Australia. 
I wonder if they have the same platinum there, if they're platinum. Uh, I think it's different what I was looking at. I can't remember the numbers, but it's different. It's the uh, same color there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same element, isn't it? Yeah, right. Periodic table hasn't changed. Okay. Uh, this album was number 27 in the July 2014 Guitar World list of 50 iconic albums that defined 1994. Number 30 in the Rolling Stones 2017 list of 100 greatest metal albums of all time. I would wow. agree with that. I'd say yeah. that's a reasonable ranking. I'd say... It's uh, a good one for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was definitely yeah, I think it might even could be a little bit higher than yeah, that. I mean, cause I think so too. certain defining albums, I think, <laughs> should be pushed up a little bit. Yeah. Well, that, that album had so much influence, though, just because it sounded like nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else. And, uh, of course, said to be the uh, album that established new metal. New metal genre. It's pronounced genre. Nuevo? Why's it got to be Sean new? <laughs> a, Everybody needs a fucking it's, it's label. Different, right? It's thrash it's metal. metal. It's math metal. It's core metal. It's whore metal. It's just fucking metal. Horrorcore? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Start a new genre of horrorcore. I think that's the, the kids from all the members of Vixen. I think they put together like some like thrash whore outfit or something. I don't know. Nah. What? I uh, went off on a tangent. <laughs> I got a little tangentially uh, tangential there. So. Uh, my apologies. Covered all that. Uh, yeah, anyway. So, starting with the tracks, you got Blind. Are you just, ready? Just a weird opener for me. Yeah. I just a crazy guitar sounds and that freaking bass hitting like that. Yeah. Like, well, it's kind of like, what This the is metal? Is I mean, yeah, yeah this exactly. Is, yeah. Well, you had no idea what was coming. It's like you hear the symbol. It's like, okay, that's simple enough. Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of Slayer a little bit. Yeah, you know, but then I mean, you hear the guitar, and it's kind of like a guitar tone. It's like, whoa, mid-range. What's going on? And then the bass, and it's like, is this hip-hop? What the fuck are we listening to? And then, you know, the vocals come in, and suddenly it's like, oh, there's something different with this. Here we go. Very different with this. The freaking groove hits, man. It's just like... But you know what? If they would have produced that with like your typical metal production in the eighties, it would have it wouldn't have sounded like corn. It was the way they had it produced. The guitars way out front, the bass super boomy like that, or like the hip hop effect. I right. mean there's nothing that sounds like corn. Not even close. Not oh. just that those low, fuzzy, heavy fucking guitars, man, mm. just 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 like guitar sound had hair on it, you know what I mean? It was just like <laughs> Another one that can't Are be loud enough.
Much like most corn, just makes you want to run around and brace yourself. It does. <laughs> it does. Even what? even my old self, you know, makes me just just pumps you up. It even does. that little ending at the, the ending at the end. It's kind of like the middle. Of the That's a good place for it. Here we go. <laughs> the ending at the end. I'm Talking like, about beginnings and uh, <laughs> with the little bass, the end. The little bass drum, hip hoppy kind of part at the very end of Blind. It's it's like that's odd because it wasn't really a metal thing to do, but it kind of had that little groove. Yeah, I made a, I made a note about that bit. here. Is yeah, it's all heavy, and then they go into that Cypress Hill sounding whatever the hell that was. Yeah, it's like know. what the what the hell is going on? It's like just hit the button, go back and listen to it, and just just keep it keep it playing. I just like it was, it's heavy and groovy, but there was there was like melody to it too. You know, I mean, it was melodic in its right. own way. Yeah, you know, it's a different kind of way. Yeah, but. Something about some of their chord choices, like you can hear that kind of eeriness. Like even oh, they were very dissonant, things. which I think is, I've always been a fan of the dissonant chords. So. Off chords and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, they definitely could get your attention with that dissonance factor because it was like kind of cringy, like, what's going on here? And he can sing too, man. Yeah, he covers a lot of range. He, he can. He really does. I mean, yeah. he sings clean very well and then... Yeah. Does his yelling angsty thing, and then yeah. you know, and then, then he starts angsty. crying. So, <laughs> I'd say, given some of the shit he's been through, I'd say he's totally deserving of that. Actually, that when I first listened to Corn, I thought, man, something's wrong with that dude. Man, that dude's fucked up. Like for real, there's something wrong with that dude. I said, damn. Like <laughs> oh, goddamn, that dude's. It's very up. emotional. Well, that's that's kind of one thing I was thinking listening back to it was. It's like a different because we're list, used to listening to like angry type shit, but this one the anger it's kind of more like a like a vulnerable anger kind of you know what I mean? It's a yeah. little more personal. It's like that, that lower deep lo- deep rooted kind of self loathing from stuff that was done to him that he had no control of, and it's like yeah, I mean, where fucking anger is coming from. It's like, Which I mean, you know, most geez. of us haven't can't relate to necessarily what he's talking about, but right. we've all got our own personal stuff that, right. that we've dealt with in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it kind of, it sort of taps into that a little bit more than, you know, nuclear war. So, right. Yeah. Right. And that's chicka, 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 right. chicka, Yeah. It's a more personal kind of oppression. That's what it is. <laughs> it's just more personal and vulnerable. Uh, yeah. The, the ball tongue. I don't know why I get a visual every time I hear just the words ball tongue. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Every time I can't speaking can't of personal, it. every time I hear it, I just even when I read it, the text, it's like the Matrix. I don't even see the words anymore. I just see like the ball and then a tongue. And this ridiculous it's, fucking bass part right, right here. here. It's like that real upfront snare. Yeah. It was kind of different. Bird. Strangle that bird. This is the part that when I like I said when I first started listening to this, I just couldn't 
I was so used to the chugga 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 that I couldn't, yeah. I just couldn't wrap my, like, why is it, why does it have to go so soft? You know? Yeah, because we're used to, like, first being almost just as powerful yeah. as the chorus, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, strong, fast. It's definitely a departure from what we're used to. But it didn't take me long. The more I listened to it, the more it's like, damn, man, it's so fucking good. You can't deny it, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. And the, the rhythm section on this track, well, all of them have really but this one the, the way the bass and the drums click in together yeah it's just like they're locked it's ridiculous yeah definitely a different tonal sound in i mean still a metal vibe but it was like tonally just not not what we were used to they, they might have if, if like if pantera stepped up the game for like thrash in terms of the 90s and i would say the corn probably stepped it up for like just the next wave of like the groove aspect Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Because they still had a lot of dark elements in their music, even beyond the vocal stuff and the lyrical stuff. But I mean, musically, well, they some of those riffs. If you put in like Rain and Blood production quality, it would sound like fucking old school metal. Yeah. But with that production, it sounds like corn. All the production. Yeah, I'm uh, kind of pretty sure that the uh, that snare sound at the end of this song, I, I think that's what influenced Lars Ulrich for. Uh, <laughs> Saint Anger. Saint Anger. <laughs> Just kills me. What's that, Lars? Ping. Ping. Yep. Anyway, then you go to need need to. Upstairs, the boss is almost done. Every time, yes. I just I like this one because the uh, the bottom end on the guitar just kind of breathes a little bit more on this one. Yeah, yeah, it kind of gives it that grunt. Yeah, it's a little bit more grunt, grunty. Some of their rhythms were really kind of out there too. Like they didn't. I mean, even though their guitar chord choices weren't exact, not guitar. That sounds like a consumer thing. Not their guitar chords for their amps. I mean, they're the chords they're playing with notes but even the way they play guitar none of that shit was normal sounding but even the way they structured their songs or the riffs none of it was your traditional stuff it was completely different i don't think it really followed any traditional path it was like this is just weird i, I read one interview i think with fieldy and he said basically i mean i think they all were aware of metal but most their influences were from a lot of other areas you know more like uh like outside of metal yeah like chili peppers and you know just i could hear that 
you know, different sound and stuff like that. They didn't necessarily listen to Maiden and, you know what I mean? Right. They, well, were that's, like, that's they weren't like, tra- no, no, not bad at all. I'm just saying that I think that might have influenced why they yeah. sound so different. Kind you know what I mean? They, they've got the heaviness, but they've got a totally different slant on everything. Yeah. So that's probably what adds variety because they definitely got that not your normal sound. Although I, now I want to kind of go back and listen. Like I'm all the way up to, I think I got to issues and then I stopped. I think that was like the fourth one. So I, but you know, like when I saw that video the other night when they were playing Pink Floyd, I was like, whoa, this is corn. So, you know, we're starting at the beginning, folks. So, yeah, their last few, back. last few albums are really good. I need to check that stuff I think out. the last one I bought was uh, Take a Look in the Mirror. Mm. That was really good. Yeah, Wait, that's been that? a while. It's been a while that's now. a long time ago. Yeah. Hmm. I, time just gets away now, and it's yeah. like I started talking about doing this, and I started looking at the dis- discography, and I was like, damn, it's been a while since I bought a corn album. <laughs> Sadly enough. There's a lot I missed in that discography. I need to go back and look at it. Uh, anyway, this brings us up to track four, Clown. My body. All right, go. Four. 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 Oh. Hey, what are you talking about? Hey, Tom's on. Hey. 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 Hey, are you saying this so there's no clicks? Hey, Marty, Marty, I'm sorry. Just fucking do it, damn it. It's like their little in-studio banter there. <laughs> do it, damn it. You want to hear it? Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Piece of shit. how they reference twist and it's like how cool would it have been if they'd have like done like part of twist there because you know twist opened up you know life is peachy the second album mm-hmm. which when i first heard that i laughed my ass off just because i was like i've never heard anything yeah i'd heard jonathan davis do his shit on the first album but then hearing a song open with that and then just hearing twist <laughs> twist twist <laughs> It sounds, like a, it sounds like Tasmanian Devil on like PCP or something. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely a few spots where he goes Taz. 
yeah. For sure. But the uh, funniest thing about that, I had to say, was like, as I was listening to it, the CD started skipping like, right when the music came on. <laughs> and it almost sounded like it was, the way it was skipping with the music, it almost sounded like Meshuggah doing like industrial dance metal or something. It just sounded <laughs> completely ridiculous. Meshuggah's industrial <laughs> dance metal album. Yeah. <laughs> it just it started skipping and it finally got out of the skip and the song played, but... As it was doing, it just it sounded like sugar that it sort of sounded like, just, I don't know. You just, break out your jump rope and start skipping around the living room. <laughs> I started doing the, uh, my interpretation of the scene from Flashdance, where she's oh, on the chair ooh. with the... Nice. Uh, anyway, I've said Very too nice. much. Back back to the show. <laughs> Duke sitting there looking at you like, what the... <laughs> Yeah, I saw him do it in an open mic a few weeks ago. It was pretty hot, actually. I, mean, you know, <laughs> I don't really like that, guys. Call that in. Man, it looks like a natural up there. Interpretive Thanks, comedy. Yeah, yeah, hey, always my ally. I'll take it. Anytime, Matt. Let me know if you need to film again. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, uh, not what you think. Yeah, that clown just, you know, gets redundant, but just, just a heavy groove. Oh, Everything yeah. locks in big time. You know, freaking fat ass breakdown. Some of the songs had on the album. There were, there were. It's weird. Some of them had points where it might get a little sort of maybe monotonous or maybe kind of drag a little, and then it would hit so. a point and then change. Well, like unpredictable. Like that one point. Like up until the middle of the song. I know we're jumping ahead, but it's like it. I kind of goes along, and then it gets to that point. And it's like, oh wait, now it's a whole yeah. completely different. I, yeah, I think I, I, I think I made a note about that. Unpredictable was. I don't know. I mean, not that it was bad at all, but it was just. You know, not that everything's that different on the album, but it was like, didn't they? It was almost like they'd played that riff before or something. But then, like you said, you know, it just like it hit a point and you were like, it, it kicks. Yeah. So I, I always love that song. It's almost like the timing thing. It's like how they work out the timing to like, okay, when the change to this riff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this brings us to track five, Divine, which is my personal, <laughs> personal favorite. Just fast, up tempo. Part though, man. I remember when that came out. Yeah. 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 That whole thing. Yeah. When, and then the way it built, like the way we'd hear that, and then of course when we saw him do it live, it was just like, holy shit, man! Because yeah. it was so badass. Because I mean, it was like a you know an anthem of just angsty anger, just going after right. it. And, and this song, uh, unlike uh, Matt's soft intro on a uh, previous episode, <laughs> this one had. <laughs> this this one had a very hard driving intro. Total contrast to the soft, soft intro. <laughs> I forgot just had, to, that. just had to point that out. I remember that. Oh shit, that's funny. It still cracks me up. But yeah, when they hit that breakdown, the uh, yeah, fuck you, I'm fed up with you. It's yeah. just like. And you know, I've wanted to say that to everybody I ever thought was an asshole to me. And I was like, <laughs> I was trying to think of the words because most of my words went to a much darker place than that. But I was like, that's exactly what I want to say to them. Fuck you, I'm fed 
Next thing I'll see it, walk up to it, like hold it in your face and like lip sync to it. <laughs> Wait and see how long before they kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> or laugh at you. I don't know. Or I smash the boombox across your skull. Anyway. There you go. That sounds good. Kill them with corn. Kill them with, you, kill them with cornness. And do something <laughs> with a cob. Just be, uh, just be <laughs> careful with it. <laughs> what? Careful. You're looking a little corny. <laughs> Moving into the next song, such a weird uh, transition. <laughs> we now move into the song called Fagé, which is the French word for what corn calls faggot, which sounds like a bread that you get and serve with pasta, but it's actually spelled F-A-G-E-T, faggot. Thank you. Is the name of the song. Just wanted to clarify that in case anybody was wondering. That was okay. <laughs> All right then. That took uh, Phil's, you know, you can lick my sack to another level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Suck my dick and like it. Yeah, that was fucking like it. In that bass. <laughs> <laughs> I could just, it's like when he did the bass, all I could think of was like some guy zipping, just like, boom. <laughs> 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 That's not really what I was thinking, but okay. <laughs> I don't know, Jonathan Davis. Maybe, maybe that was the outtake from All in the Family with uh, Jonathan Davis and Fred Durst. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you do in your spare time. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Usually he's roading for me, roading for me, like, you know, at Chili's and Red Lobster and stuff. Uh, Set it between uh, work and his interpretive comedy. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, we're opening for him at the open mic at Sweetwater. <laughs> uh, it's a bar and grill place, so come check, check it out. Excellent. There's going to be alcohol and chicks there. One thing uh, I'm bad about lyrics so I just listened to the vocal pattern or whatever and I actually read the uh, lyrics to this one oh, yeah? as a you know as I was listening to it and he's got like such a weird pattern yeah there, there's like no like pattern. the way he writes no pattern. Mean, or just, just the way, the way he, he lays his the way he lays his vocals over the rhythm it's like totally like the against the rhythm it? yeah it's like 
You just have to listen to it, read it. You're it's, not talking about like his crazy weird Taz on methamphetamine thing, are you? No, no. I'm just talking about the way he presents the vocals against the music. Right. Yeah, it's like I guess the, it the timing cool. of it, basically. The way his timing versus the timing of the music, it's like almost two totally separate things. Mm-hmm. It's just, just kind of odd. It is but kind it of works. Unusual. It does work. Yeah, it goes together very yeah. well. Like I said, until I sat down and actually read it while I was listening to it, I never really noticed it. But Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely definitely unusual. But that's part of what makes corn corn. Yes. Yeah. It adds to the anxiety tension, I guess, of like the vocals and the so, music. Uh, yeah, so then you got track seven, Shoots and Ladders, where they do their ACDC tribute. The uh, bagpipes at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Those of you who know, know that goes back to the High Voltage album. 1974, playing it on classic rock radio, Q10610. <laughs> Shoots and Ladders had kind of weird subject matter because it was all like. It was all about like nursery rhymes and shit like that, and of course yeah. the end result is basically you know, you're, they're, they're grooming you to take the violence that comes later in life, which is kind of cool in a philosophy metal kind of way. But that song kind of was sort of, eh. it had moments like once no, the like knickknack patty wagon dog about the part. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that song that was great. Was cool. the, yeah. the whole nursery rhyme thing, the, you know, you're like, again, you're like, what the fuck, right? But uh, there is mention in the lyrics of white trash crone, and I don't know what crone means. I just know we have friends that had that name. So. Talking about Tim? Oh, uh, yeah, so I don't know if it's uh, <laughs> not sure they were talking about him. Slur. I don't think they were. I saw it, when I saw it, looked it up, and thought, I wonder what that is. I'd, I'd hate to think that he would be saying crony. Is crony spelled different than crone? I don't uh, Crony, I think, is a Y. Um, I'm not an English major, but. <laughs> I know one. So. You did sleep in <laughs> No, I did not sleep in a hotel last night. I slept in my house. Yeah, when they hit the, the knick-knack paddy wag, give the dog a bone part at the end, it's just like... Yeah. That just, just kind of makes just, me laugh. I just, sometimes I can't. Because it's, it's so, so freaking heavy and brutal sounding. He's going knick-knack. And then you're thinking to yourself, why do I like it? Who's more disturbed, Jonathan Davis or me for listening to this? I have no idea. Let's go with both. It's all good. Yeah, I think we kind of touched on predictable a little bit. (laughs) This song is a bit predictable. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. I was telling him I dug the riffs and stuff into it, but it, it got to a point where it it's kind of sounded almost droney and samey, and then it got to the middle, and then it was kind of like, snap out of it. Oh, shit. And it's like the song's back in a different way. It, 
it just took me down kind of a weird path. Like when I started listening to it, it just seemed kind of dull. And then it hit that middle point. And then it kind of put the first part that I just heard in perspective. And then I could kind of enjoy it after that, if that makes sense. Yeah. We, we covered it. So it was, uh, it was absolutely, oh, yeah. it, was, it was fun to scream for sure. <clears throat> I'm sure. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Then you got fake. bit slower but still brutal punishing definitely a darker vibe yeah their their lyrics because i don't know what you guys think sometimes i get a little weird about like if the band puts out like corn puts out the first album there's no lyric sheet because usually cds would have you'd open it up and it'd have each song and it'd have the lyrics and so you could follow along and see what it said there's no lyric sheet so you hear stuff and there's always the misheard lyrics. It's like, fuck, what, what did he say? Art sings like a motherfucker? This part stinks like... <laughs> there's misheard shit all the time. So you're listening to Corn, and you're like, all right, what the fuck are they saying? But it's like, now you can go and Google the lyrics and look it up, and you're like, holy shit. I don't know if I'd have been able to... You know, because imagine if that was in the inlay car back then, you know? I'm just saying. Yeah. Reading the lyrics now in context, older... There was there was some intense shit going on in the mm-hmm. for sure. Indeed. Lies. Why you're afraid? 
It's just fucking badass. Isn't it? I like the riff it goes into after that part, too. That was the one with that cool wind effect. You know, like right when they went into the, uh, I guess it was like the chorus part that like walk down riff. Yeah, I got a note on He's that. Got like, I think, no, that was just like a background. Yeah, it was just a. I know, but it gave the effect of like this crazy wind, like this just like demon horde of wind coming through your side. It was just. It was a cool effect because he's just in the background, just like a deathy, growly thing. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody else streaming over the top of it, you know, Dance that fast. You know, and just the way it comes together just gives it this really cool fucking vibe. Just in context, you have to hear it. They know how to build up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just part on this and the drums and the bass just get that real off kilter. Groove Especially going when on. he gets on that groove and starts going because the guitars start off and just sort of walk and then it's like it comes in and they're just kind of like just like punching the fucking gut. You know the guitars are still walking and they're just still like pummeling you and you're just, hey, where's this going? Excellent, excellent stuff. I love the corn. And that takes us to Helmet in the Bush, which is. My eh. That's my eh. Yeah, that was kind of... I don't know. Like, it's like... It's it's not like I'm going to skip it when it comes on, but it's just like, I don't know if I had to put it on the album. It is what it is. But you got to love the title, though, because I can tell you what I think of when I read the title. Or say the title. I don't think you need to. I think of my (laughs) teen years, y'all. I'm just saying. Y'all don't need to make it weird. Your teen years? This came out when you were, what, 20? Actually, I think of porn. <laughs> uh, not any that I've started. 94. What, 94. What were you, 22? 21? Yeah, I was. It was when I made my intro to porn. <laughs> Internet wasn't around yet. I had to watch it on the dark web. There was, like, some dude that worked for the <laughs> Army, and he had, like, this weird connection. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll stop talking about it. It's like, it's like some CIA cloak and dagger kind of shit you know i might be dead by next week so i should stop talking about it right now so in fact this part of the podcast will be uh, deleted and edited so it'll just go into something else and okay i'm done <laughs> <laughs> taking off my aluminum hat now thank you hello it's Okay. Hey, hey guys, if, if Matt completely snaps, can I can I join you? I mean, I'm serious. I'd love to join you guys. I mean, if he totally loses, we got, we've his got shit, ground rules, man. Ground but, rules. but if he loses his shit, I mean, I'd be happy to do it. I, I'll do whatever. I'll clean the mic stand, whatever you want. I, I, I'll, I'll clean out the wax out of your headphones. Whatever you need, I, I'll do it. I'll roll you just, guys. You're here for it, sir. Yeah, yeah. On the side, after my pocket, I'll, I'll do it. For you. It's got kind of a sexy beat to it, but it's kind of like... It's good. He's all over the place, too, and yeah. his range, you know. He's, if you listen to it kind of in headphones, you can hear, like, the little yeah. the chorus part, which is kind of cool, but it's sort of like, yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. I don't not like it, but, you know, in terms of my likability of everything else, that one has less likability, so... Shut up. Okay. <laughs> point taken. I understand. I'll go back to my corner. I don't care.
And then that brings us to Daddy. Holy fuck. Daddy. Daddy. Yeah, I'd never heard a song like that before. Because that was like... And and what's crazy... I, I think we talked about this when we first heard it. When we got to the end. Because it's obviously dark subject matter. And when we got to the end, we were almost like... Is that real? Or did they fucking stage that? It turns out it was real. It was absolutely real. And they, they didn't even know in the studio what was going on when he broke down at the end. And it was it was him having a cathartic moment, but it was Roll just, the tape. Yeah, they they captured all of it and yeah. they didn't know what to do. So they were like playing along and he continued to do it and they it got to a point where they didn't even play that. They'd never play it on tour. I think they played it for like their twentieth anniversary release of the album or something, like a couple other events, but they rarely ever play that song live. Mm. Yeah, it was it was definitely different with that. Acapella style intro. top of I liked it then your uh, then your weird bass clicky clickety clack clack yeah all those weird noises and stuff kind of gave a bizarre uncomfortable feeling like alright something's coming it's not this ain't happy shit <laughs> oh absolutely not cool absolutamente but the chorus I mean the, the chorus is just balls out just and when he starts to get to the point where he loses his shit and just comes unglued and just starts going off, because there's been time, there's been plenty of times everybody's listening to music when you've gotten like fired up at the riff or you've gotten fired up at like the words, you know. But it's like when you get to that part, it's like you feel that tension and it's almost like. that tension looks great but then you hear that you're like I don't fucking make it this because it sounds like he's losing it it's like from a metal perspective that's badass but at the same time it's like how do I react yeah yeah definitely odd a little uncomfortable <laughs> a little <laughs> but nothing will compare to that fancy hidden track at the end no Jerry it's not a goddamn intake manifold shut up Jerry what? 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 The beginning of the hidden track phenomenon. Yeah. Nobody today will understand what hidden tracks are. Hidden tracks, for those of you that don't know, pop songs don't have them, I don't think, but hidden tracks where you've got like a three-minute song at the end of the album, and if you're looking at it on your CD player, it's like, oh, this song is 25 minutes long. Wait, what the? Holy shit, are they a progressive band? No, there's 20 minutes of silence, and then there's some three-minute thing at the end that's like a little 
treat if you stick around to the end of the album. So this was one of the first times I think we'd really heard the bonus track phenomenon that started in the 90s. And it was just this random conversation that made no sense, and it was about car shit. Weirdest fucking thing ever. I had... I can't remember what it was. I just I just now remembered it, but I had one CD where the last track played, and then it started playing one-second tracks till I got all the way up to 99. Oh, oh uh, I remember that. What was it? Nine Inch Nails uh, Broken was like that. It was okay. like that, but yeah. I don't know if that was it. There's been others, I think, too, but I know Broken was like that. It seems like I had one that they went had all 90. the way up to like 99, and then it, whatever... <laughs> Whatever yeah. the hell they put on it. Yeah, Broken had a 98 and a 99. Yeah. That might be what I'm thinking of. I don't know. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird because you see it just start ticking off. And you're like, they were good songs, too. Bizarre. What the going on? But yeah, that hidden track at the end was just so strange. I listened to it. It was just, I was trying to like imagine being there. Like, you know, what, what would it have been like? Because can you imagine a dude talking to his wife about car shit? And if he's not even a car dude himself, and you know she's not, and she's trying to give him advice, that he's just get pissed off having a conversation <laughs> with her. Yeah, he's calling her a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, look, I put the thing on the and you can hear him getting pissed off talking to her. It's almost kind of funny, but it's just like he's like, you're a hard woman, hard woman to live with. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember that. I think you'll have to fast forward because I think it's probably like seven or eight minutes of just nothing. Yeah. And that's how they get you because they probably have people listen to it on headphones and they get high and fall asleep and they wake up at three in the morning and hear <laughs> Michael and Jerry. People arguing, arguing about, about Dodge parts. Dart car parts in your brain. <laughs> Being earwormed and not in a polite, nice it was way. Just, it was just an odd way to end an album that had already ended in such an odd way. Yeah. And then yeah. they tacked that onto the end of it and just, in a way it probably added just enough little bit of levity to it to kind of bring you out but the only way you would really catch that would be if you like played it and weren't paying attention or if you like liked. i said that's what i was doing i was cleaning the house and just i assume the uh the disc just stopped sometimes that can get scary yeah. and then michael What's and that? jerry are arguing <laughs> so who the fuck? <laughs> that a Dodge Dart. That, uh, I was pretty sure I was by myself here. <laughs> Being haunted by Michael and Jerry. What the fuck's going on? But uh, I don't know if you've... I'm sure pretty much everybody's heard this album, but if you haven't, oh, yeah. you should definitely... Should definitely go check it even out. Even if you have, you need to revisit. Yeah, because I had a lot of fun listening to it again like four times. Uh, it, it's it's <laughs> always in my in my rotation. For sure. Yeah. It'd been a while. It'd been it, a while. It was nice for me to get it back like out and dig back into it. Because, I mean, I, I'll get it out occasionally and listen to it. But getting, because I like to, for whenever we do the dives, I like to listen to it all the way through, kind of as a complete work to kind of get the full feel. But it took me back, man. It was like being in my 20s again. Mm-hmm. It was like, holy shit. But being in my 20s, having all the lyrics at my disposal, it's like, holy shit. Yeah, it oh, reminded man. me of riding around my buddy George's Mustang. He had a, you remember George? Yeah. He had a system in his car that was unbelievable. And he wasn't really a metal guy. And uh, I put this on because I knew he'd appreciate the bass. Yeah. And man, it, it just made his speakers just. Hum. Like, if he had a good system, that would be a cool oh, album. Oh, he loved it. Yeah. Whenever we were hanging out, he's like, dude, 
<laughs> you know, it's funny. I think I might have actually taken this CD with me when I when I went to go buy those uh, those speakers, those Klipsch two uh, tens I've got. Yeah. When I went to go buy those, I think this is one of the CDs I took with me to like test out the equipment to see if I wanted to buy the speakers. Passed with flying colors, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, absolutely. It's like, it's like I put on the beginning, you know, the first part, like around, you know, need to or something. I'm like, oh, or ball time. It's like, yes, I'm going to buy these speakers. Perfect. And the guy's like, please buy them and get out. Right. <laughs> Turn off that disgraceful goddamn music. What is that? Elvis heard that. He'd have a stroke. Well, he's already dead, so he's not going to hear it. He's not dead. Come on now. Sorry. He's working he's, at uh, the Quickie Mart in Memphis. <laughs> yeah, he's working with the CIA. <laughs> anyway. Is, is he working with Millie? Come on, Millie. You can tell us. Look, I did a few. I did a little. I worked with him a little bit. He's kind of an asshole, to be honest. He hogs all the drugs. He's kind of a dick. I don't, I don't ever hang around with him. If I can does help he, it. Does he still try to kung fu everybody? I mean, what? I mean, he loves the pasta. That's great. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of an asshole. It's like, you know, fuck that guy. It's like, okay, whatever. Does he wear like a big... uh... He's not creator. I just say that. You know, he's not. And I am. So there. When you're doing incognito uh, nighttime work, does he wear like a black fat Elvis suit? You know, sometimes he like puts on like a muumuu or something. It's like to make people think he's a woman. So they totally get thrown off the path. It's really strange, you guys. Elvis kind of makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> so if he can make Millie uncomfortable, that's uh, that's pretty scary. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you uh, all for listening to our nonsense on the Metal Nerdery podcast. Please be sure to follow us on the Facebook and the Instagram. Like us, share us at Metal Nerdery Podcast, and follow along with the show at metalnerdery.com slash episodes. Yeah. Thank Thanks you for, listening. for listening. Absolutely. We will uh... out. This is Metal Nerdery.